This is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And I'm Marcus Harvey. Dr. Mary Grant is the seventh chancellor of the University of North Carolina at Asheville. Making the case for a liberal arts education has been central to her career as an educator. She is now preparing to take on a new role as the president of the Edward M. Kennedy Institute for the United States Senate in Boston. Marcus and I wanted to talk with Chancellor Grant today about her career in education, her time in Asheville, and the work of the Kennedy Institute. UNC Asheville is a funder of programming at Blue Ridge Public Radio. Join us for another engaging conversation on The Waters and Harvey Show. Again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. Glad to be here with you all in the audience. Glad to be here with my brother again, Dr. Marcus Harvey. Marcus, how is it going? Pretty good. You know, just trying to finish up this home stretch of the term. So how about you? <laughs> it gets, always gets busy this time of the year. Very but um, a, a lot of exciting things going on at the university, a lot of exciting things going on here in the city. So, brother, I'm rooting you on as you finish up your grading and I do it on my side. <laughs> but I'm glad to be back here in the studio again. Really happy to have Dr. Mary Grant here with us again to talk about liberal arts education. You know, Mm. why is the liberal arts important and why is it important to obtain a liberal arts education? Mm. You know, there are many questions that we could ask surrounding the issue of the liberal arts. And so we're glad to have her here to talk about that again, to kind of reiterate why it is important that we focus on the liberal arts education. Yeah, and you know, for all of the talk and the rhetoric about, you know, the importance of, of forging democratic societies, whatever the heck that means, um, oftentimes uh, what is missing from the conversation is the role that, um, the sort of liberal arts model of education can play <clears throat> in building um, a, a, a citizenry that is capable of the critical thinking necessary to actually execute said democracy. Right. So I think this is a particularly pertinent um, topic given today's political climate. Right, especially when our culture or our society is made up of so many different cultural mm-hmm. groups, so many different people. I mean, that's the story of America. It's a polyglot uh, population that we have here. And so learning how to engage other people, other cultures, developing greater cultural understanding is something that I think is at the heart of the liberal arts education and something that I believe, Marcus, just as you said, is fundamentally important to how our societies develop and how we kind of get along with each other. Yeah, and and you know when I'm when I'm discussing this with my students, I often use this, I guess this would be like a sports metaphor, but I, I talk about. Um, the importance of engaging different perspectives in terms of a form of intellectual and cultural agility, mm-hmm. right? That sort of enables you to um, perceive the world from a radically different perspective right. um, and and understand that perspective in an empathetic way. Um, right. And that requires a, a particular kind of, of skill that engages both the mind, not just the mind, but also um, um, uh, one's body in a certain kind right, of way. Right. So it really is a form of, a form of agility. Yeah, you yeah. talk about engaging other perspectives. Sometimes mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. It's mostly <laughs> when it comes to my two sons. Most of the time, I don't care about their perspective, but I'm learning. So liberal arts education is helping that. And I know you have a son who is uh, emerging yeah. as well with his own opinions. Oh, lately. very much so. Very so, much so. 
So I'm sure that this is um, you're being tested on understanding other well, people's Well, you know, my son is, will, will be two um, at the end of next month, and he is already insisting, if not demanding, that I take his perspective into account. No, so, really? <laughs> you would well, be correct. You know, Marcus, I think about you and I talk about the liberal arts a lot. We have the opportunity to teach in the humanities program at UNC Asheville. And when I teach uh, the humanities 324, which is looking at the development of the modern world, the age of enlightenment, all the way up until the Second World War, I always like to start that class out talking um, or at least showing a video of a conversation that former Congressman Jim Leach, who uh, served in Congress uh, for a while, but then became the uh, the chairman of the National Endowment for the Humanities under the uh, Obama administration. Interestingly enough, uh, Jim Leach was a Republican himself, but uh, President Obama selected him to chair the NEH. And one of the things when he took over that position, and we see this in a clip that I show my class, that he went on a tour throughout the country to talk about building a culture of civility. I mean, and we look at where our society is now, and I think that that's something that we could probably revisit. Yeah, and this idea of, of civil dialogue is important because, um, you know, so to sort of bring in, bring in the classroom again, um, you know, one, one thing I stress to my students is that um, – um, disagreement is one thing, mm-hmm. uh, but disagreeing well is another thing. <laughs> um, and and that, is, that, again, is a kind of skill that must be intentionally cultivated. Right. Um, and again, I, I don't know that, uh, that that has always been a part of America's social and political history. <laughs> yeah. So it's an, impo- yeah. it's an important skill to cultivate. And, brother, we're in, we're, we seem to be in choppy waters right now when it comes to that. <laughs> to I don't lightly. think anything else needs to be said, but I got a feeling that as we talk with Chancellor Grant today that many of these issues are going to come up in this conversation. So what Marcus and I want to do is just to step out for a quick minute, and we'll be right back. Stay with us. Again, you're listening to The Waters and Harvey Show. Again, I'm Darren Waters here at Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. We're so glad that you all are joining us again on the show, joining us in the audience and listening to this important conversation with Chancellor Grant. We're about to go into that conversation talking about the role of the liberal arts, talking about issues of civility, how we actually dialogue and communicate with each other in our society. This has been at the heart of her career. But just to give a little bit of a more formal introduction of Chancellor Grant, who is here with us today. Before she came to UNC Asheville, she was the president of the Massachusetts College of the Liberal Arts in North Adams, Massachusetts. She has served for the past three years as the seventh chancellor of UNC Asheville, and she is now the incoming president of the Edward M. Kennedy Institute for the United States Senate in Boston, Massachusetts. Chancellor Grant, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come in and be with Marcus and I today. Well, it is such a treat to be here with the two of you and listening to your conversation reminds me again of the stellar faculty that we have working with our students at UNC Asheville. So thank you both for what you do every day. It's been a real privilege and a joy to know you and to watch you do your work. And I am really glad that the liberal arts is coming into play at home with your sons. (laughs) (laughs) Learning to gain these these perspectives. Well, you know, Chancellor Grant, we wanted to to talk to you about the new challenge you will be taking. 
will be undertaking in Massachusetts at the Kennedy Institute. But before we do that, we wanted to talk a little bit, just to reflect a little bit on your time here in Asheville and your time at UNC Asheville. I'll just say to our audience, they've probably heard this before, I've had the great privilege of working on your senior team since you've been here as a special assistant for community engagement and outreach. And and I got to tell you, it's been the thrill of my, my professional career and personally to have that opportunity. So I want to thank you again for giving me the opportunity to work so closely with you since you've been here. Well, thank you, Darren, for all you've done. So again, just reflecting on your time here in Asheville and um, and at UNC Asheville, and I think about North Carolina, UNC Asheville being the designated liberal arts uh, university for the UNC system. Um, and you've been in the forefront of conversations about the importance of the liberal arts education. Um, just for our listeners, can you share with us your perspective on liberal arts and their importance to the future of our state and nation? Sure. You, you know, I've been leading liberal arts institutions for um, about 15, 16 years now, and it has been an absolute privilege to be chancellor of the University of North Carolina, Asheville, and to be at this institution at this critically important time in our history. We need the public liberal arts. This is the education that transforms and changes lives. It is the education that I believe makes democracy accessible for everybody. And it is, it's sometimes it's pegged as an elite form of education, and it's not. It is the education that changes lives. It is necessary in every facet of our daily existence, from the way we engage people passing on the street to having conversations, to reading newspaper articles, to sharing um, opinions, to treating others with civility, to problems solving to when you think about the connection between liberal arts and the sciences inquiry comes from curiosity asking those questions going deeper so we sometimes peg the liberal arts as it's folks who are sitting somewhere reading the great books and it is that because we should read those books they stretch the mind intellectually mm-hmm. so though that is healthy to do it is an education that helps us to work together to ask the questions, to not even, when we don't even know what the problems are we're trying to solve, to have students go in and say, help me understand this so I can do my best work. So liberal arts education, in my opinion, is the kind of education that's necessary for lifelong learning as well. We never stop learning. Right. And ours is a practical form of education. Mm-hmm. It prepares you well for anything that you're doing. If you are a, if you are someone who works on cars, you need to know how to read the the instructions. You need to know how to work complicated technology equipment to right. solve the, you know, to work on modern day vehicles. So mm-hmm. it applies to every part of our life. It does. It does. I think, you know, to hear you use the term great books, too, it just brought to mind a quote from T.S. Eliot. And I'm probably not going to get this quote exactly right, but I, I know that T.S. Eliot once said when he was accused of giving students the old books too much that the students said, well, you know, we know so much more than them. And T.S. Eliot's retort was that, yeah, it is them that we know. Well, so, and, and the access to information. So when I think about our students, this generation, they have access to so much information. And a liberal arts education helps you to sift and sort, to determine, is this good information? Where did it come from? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the biases behind it? Um, what is the, how do I apply this? So it's more than just books. It's newspapers. It's listening to the radio, like this is. great public radio station. It's it's being good and active consumers of knowledge and then how mm-hmm. you apply that knowledge to 
problems. Mm-hmm. That's what a liberal arts education is about. And it, we use it, we see it every day. It covers math, it covers science, engineering, arts, music, you know, history, you name it. At the heart of it is a liberal arts arts education. Mm -hmm. And so for North Carolina to have a public liberal arts university and for that to be us, that is a brilliant move. Mm -hmm. And for us to be this institution that knows who we are in a complex time in higher education, that is a good place for us to be. It is a critically important mission. Mm-hmm. And then Chancellor Grant, um, as, as was signaled earlier, um, um, the liberal arts has, at least for the past decade, if not longer, been um, the target of quite heated political debates <laughs> in North Carolina and elsewhere throughout the country. Uh, how would you, from your po- point of view as an administrator, characterize that de- that debate? Um, what is at stake? Um, why is it? Uh, why does it seem difficult um, for some legislators um, in, certain, in some areas to, under, to, 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 to perceive the liberal arts educational model as of any contemporary value? Um, yeah, it's a great, um, you know, I think I've been on doing this work for a long time and we've been debating it, I think, for more than a decade, perhaps with yeah. greater animation this last decade mm-hmm. and now. Mm-hmm. I think some of it stems from the word liberal. We confuse that. <laughs> we get dug into these terms, liberal, conservative, mm-hmm. independent. Mm-hmm. And liberal arts is not the same when we think about those dichotomies that exist in the political sphere or, you know, in the way we approach the world. It's, it's liberal arts education. Liberal meaning to free, arts mm-hmm. meaning you know the science and inquiry so we get confused and then we get stuck on a word and when I talk to legislators many of them have degrees in history have degrees in economics have English degrees and so they have a liberal arts education so I think sometimes the terminology the words get in our way so the way I feel about it is we have to own it you know don't run away from it help educate about what that means and then bring these individuals who support us into the classroom have them see the kind of teaching work that goes on that you as faculty members do. Have them meet our students. Have them understand how we apply that educational model every day and prepare our students to go out into teaching professions, into the business world, into, you know, hospital operation rooms. I mean, our students are everywhere here in Asheville, Western North Carolina, and across the state. Mm-hmm. So I think it's 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 not, it's and we sometimes, Marcus, we have, we fight over the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what we, we're doing. And and it's not the right conversation to have. It should be about how do we treat this education as an investment and not an expense. That's the right conversation to have, mm-hmm. not about whether this is the right form of education. Mm-hmm. It is the right form of education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Chancellor Grant, thinking about and jumping off of Marcus's question about the debate um, surrounding the value of the liberal arts education. I mean, UNC Asheville, I mean, just recently, with last year, voted number one in the nation for making an impact. How do you feel, and this is the larger question of getting, gives us an opportunity to, to, um, I think, more deeply reflect on your time here. How do you think UNC Asheville has been affecting the debate over the liberal arts education, especially during the time that you have been here? Because you have been out here, you know, your your energy has always amazed me um, and how you are constantly making that defense. How would you characterize 
UNC Asheville in that debate, and especially during your time here at UNC Asheville? Great question. And one of the nice things is that during my time here at UNC Asheville, I have done this work with an amazing institution um, working with me in a community that is embraces us. So those are terrific ingredients to have. One of the things I think is that we, you know, I have always said, and I believe this firmly, that we are the jewel in the crown of public higher education in North Carolina. And we have, during that time, been able to bring a lot of folks to see us in action. So mm-hmm. we've hosted the Board of Governors on campus. We've had numerous visits with President Spelling. We've had members of the General Assembly from across the state visit us. We have our own Western North Carolina delegation that knows us well and believes in the work that we're doing. Deepening the partnerships we have, such as with, with the radio station here, with the community organizations that are so important. Sharing a position with the Asheville City Schools Foundations, right. our partnership with Mission Hospital. Um, all of the work that we're doing in the community, our, our deep program work that we're doing in some of the public housing developments, bringing Mm -hmm. middle school kids onto the campus. So when you think about this, imagine that you are in middle school and now you're on a college campus. You're either in a classroom or you're at the basketball arena, beginning to inspire the next generation to say, this kind of education is not out of my reach. In fact, it's within my grasp and it's in my backyard. So I think making those connections so that we are always, every great city has a great university Mm -hmm. and we're Working in partnership like this, we have phenomenal partnerships. The work that we're doing with the Center for Craft Creativity and Design, the work that we're doing with Black Mountain College, I mean, I, those partnerships enrich us and we enrich the partnerships in return. So I think that it's about the community seeing the relevance of the education when we put it to work every day, when they have faculty members serving on their board, staff serving on their board, when we open up our campus facilities to host community groups mm-hmm. to to embrace them when concerts on the quad when we throw open you know the quad is at the living room of the campus and inviting people to come bring your families right. see this as a part of the heart and soul of what makes the city of Asheville and this community so very special right. to all members of our community not just to some but to all, all members, members of our community right. now as you pointed out Chancellor Grant community engagement was has been a uh, sort of a signature of, of your time here um, and when you consider the history of the university as an institution in particular, um, uh, community connect- connectedness, engagement doesn't necessarily come to mind. There's, there's sort of a long history of universities being perceived as these sort of elite enclaves that, um, that, broader, that the broader community doesn't really have access to. That being the case, c- could you speak a little bit about why it is so important uh, for universities, for colleges to, to be engaged specifically within the local communities um, in which they're situated? Great question. And, you know, it's a it's a real bias that I have um, <laughs> and that I believe that you don't. You cannot just sit aside. Every one of us has a responsibility to make where we are better. And that's part of the job of a university. And I think that when we look at the whole um, literature and how you change communities, we are an anchor institution in the city of Asheville. There's a whole body of literature behind it, but more important, there's a body of action. And when I think about the work we're now doing as part of Campus Compact, which is a national organization, and now in the state of North Carolina, UNC Asheville is actively engaged in that work. It's about taking that work theory to action and working to engage you know, in a meaningful way, not just a throwaway way, you know, because you can do things, you can, you know, have one nice event and everybody feels good, but it's how do we go deeper? And I, Marcus, I believe that when I think about UNC Asheville and nothing makes me happier 
than when I see a group of young kids on campus. That's the beginning of the educational pipeline. When I see our own students, the middle of the mm-hmm. education pipeline. And then when I have a chance to go up to the Reuters Center and I see folks who are at a different point in their educational continuum taking classes through Ollie. So we are an educational hub, a civic engagement hub, but more importantly, we need to be a place when a community is challenged to roll up our sleeves, to be in those conversations, and not just sitting back enjoying the benefit of being in a community. We have a responsibility to be an active participant in good citizens. And I think that that makes us a better educational environment, too. Lots of good projects for our students to get involved in and lots of intellectual capital within our faculty to contribute to the problems and questions of the day. And you, you know, I see it happen every day. I'm so proud of this institution and the work that goes on. So it's been great to see the university moving uh, more in this direction, in this role, and taking a lead role here as an anchor institution, which is a term that I've become familiar with in my uh, time that I've spent with you, becoming a, a key anchor institution in the community and helping to move the community in a very positive direction. This, we could talk much longer about UNC Asheville, um, but we don't want to miss the opportunity and the time that we have to talk about the Edward M. Kennedy Institute for the United States Senate. Now, this sounds like a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. Can you just share with us a little bit about how this opportunity, this new opportunity, developed? Sure. My phone rang one day. <laughs> and it's as sometimes these opportunities do when you, you know, I can tell you the work I've been doing at UNC Asheville has been a blessing. And I have loved it. And I've been deeply engaged, as you know. So I wasn't going anywhere. And then I got the call. And the call about the work of the Institute just spoke to me because one of the things I'm concerned about, and I know it's a concern, we've talked about it, mm-hmm. is what's happening in the state of our democracy, what's happening in the state of civic discourse. How do we bring people to the table to work on these challenges of the day? And so when I when it was described to me what the Institute, and I was familiar with the work of the Institute. I had, had the privilege of being there about a year ago for our Campus Compact uh, national meeting. And so So to listen to that and to think about being part of helping to build this, to help build upon the foundation that has been set and to do this work, it's sort of an extension of the liberal arts when you Mm -hmm. think about it. And so the trajectory of my work, this is a good next step, but just was kind of a surprise in terms of the timing. But. But I am. I feel so grateful to have this opportunity, mm-hmm. and my time at UNCA and here in Asheville and North Carolina, I think, has prepared me even better for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about Edward Kennedy, Senator Kennedy himself. I mean, who the Lion of the Senate? Um, he became known as because he dedicated his life to the United States, to the United States Senate. And you and I have talked about his time there as a senator and looking at the culture that existed during his time there. How there was. There seemed to be mutual dialogue across the party lines, and that seems to be breaking down uh, where we are today. So I think that this is it's important um, work that you'll be taking on. Yeah, you mentioned civic discourse, uh, Chancellor Grant. Um, <clears throat> I'm curious to hear a little bit about um, the Institute's mission and how, um, and how that mission might, uh, might relate to, interact with this issue of civic discourse. Sure. The, mm-hmm. the Institute's mission, it's, one of it is to uh, help 
citizens understand the critically important work of the United States Senate in shaping policy and laws and government. Um, it's about civic engagement and engaging the next generation and understanding what civic engagement really means. Senator Kennedy was passionate about that. In fact, one of the last pieces of legislation that he signed off on in 2009 in partnership with Senator Hatch was Serve America Act, which was about civic engagement. So this was a passion on both sides of the aisle to move forward on this. It's also about the work of the Institute is about where is that pipeline? Where's the next generation of leaders? Forget about this is not about politics, a Democrat, Republican, independent. It's about that next generation of leaders, regardless of where they come from. How do they understand what it means to serve the public good? And what does it mean to, you know, understand the workings of government, you know, designing policy? What? How do you do the analysis? How do you do mm-hmm. the comparison? How do you bring people together to pull apart a piece of legislation to make it better in the best interest of the people right. that need this legislation? So there's that kind of work, Marcus. It's looking at leadership issue. How do we, mm-hmm. we are in a changing demography in this country. And so how do we mm-hmm. get that next mm-hmm. generation to the table, into these roles of government and leadership and careers of service that make a difference in all of our lives. So at the heart of this is how do we use this institute, how do we use this work, this important work for Senator Kennedy in establishing this institute to to go out and engage that next generation, both in Massachusetts and D.C. and across the country. So the connection with education is critically important. So I love the forward thinking that is going on here because, you know, we as Americans, you know, and and I have to, you know, get this in before the show is over to bring in Alexis de Tocqueville's name. And Alexis de Tocqueville, you know, did argue that Americans don't tend to have this forward thinking. It's not a part of who we were. At least that's what he was saying in the 1830s when he wrote Democracy in America. And I tend to think that, you know, I can see that is the case in, in a lot of Way still today, so I appreciate what what you're doing here, and what you will be doing, and what you've done at the university, because there's a lot of forward thinking about cultivating and developing new leaders. So one of the things I'd like to ask with regard to the the Kennedy Institute is, Chancellor Grant, can you tell us how our listeners, both here and in other parts of the country, can be involved in the work that, of the Kennedy Institute? Absolutely. Um, first of all, you can check out the website. There's a good place there, but come and visit. You know, so mm-hmm. part. Part of it is there's an incredibly, there's a full-scale replica of the United States Senate Chamber at the Institute. Mm. There is a number of high-tech simulation classroom exercises. We're going to be looking at how we take this online education and push it out more broadly. You can become a member. Of, of the Institute and get email updates. You can, and as we look at this work, our goal is to work with in partners across the country. So organizations like Campus Compact, like the Council of Public Liberal Arts Colleges, other places that we can partner with to do this work more broadly. So engage, come visit the website, come visit the Institute. Um, but most importantly, every day from where you are, you can have the ability to do better in the way you engage with others. And I right. think that's how you start. I was talking with students the other day, and I said, you know, part of the work that I'm going to be doing as I go forward is thinking about, you know, how do we get the next generation? How do we get you, college-age students, thinking about running for office, taking on these roles and responsibilities? Give me some advice. So I was talking to three of our great UNC Asheville students, and one young woman looked at me and she said, well, first of all, someone has to say to us, you should think about doing this, because sometimes we don't think about that. And so just even that, tapping someone on the shoulder and say, there's 
a way you can make a difference. Yeah. Run for city council, run for school committee, run for mayor, um, bring your ideas to through the process and, and, and make more seats at the table for different points of view. Right. That's how we can all do this work, whether we're physically at the institute Good. or connecting with it online, we can all begin to take a role in helping to shape a better outcome for the, the citizens of this, the communities we all live in. And Chancellor Grant, as you prepare to leave, um, what advice can you give us uh, who will remain in Nashville for um, ways in which we can continue to promote the work that you've, that you've been doing, uh, that, that, that you did while you were here? Well, um, I, Marcus, I believe it's about we have great momentum happening at UNC Asheville, and it's happening because all of you, so many members of that institution, our board of trustees, our alumni have put shoulders to the wheel, and I just think mm -hmm. keep pushing, you know, and once and be intentional because the minute we sit back and think we got it, we don't. <laughs> and so you have to pay attention, right. mm -hmm. you have to tend those relationships, you have to look at what's happening, and you have to never shy from the mission of being the public liberal arts university for the state of North Carolina because that is critically important and it's a mission that we deliver on every day and you two are examples of the faculty who are leading the way changing minds and shaping lives so just keep doing it and stay engaged with this incredibly special community the city of Asheville we call home Western North Carolina which provides us the backdrop and just keep up that good work well thank you again Chancellor so Grant this time goes by too fast and so Marcus and I just decided to run it out rather than stopping and having a closing thought because I think Chancellor Grant has actually closed this conversation very, very well, well in a yeah. very positive way this has been a great conversation again and Chancellor Grant I thank you for the opportunity to have worked with you. Thank you for what you've given to the city of Asheville, the state of North Carolina, and to the University of North Carolina at Asheville. And Marcus, I'm sure that you have something I second that. that. Thanks so much for the work right. that you've done while right. you were here. Thank you so much. And, and best we, of luck in you. your yeah. other And pursuits. we look forward to continuing to engage with you mm -hmm. and just work with you. So once again, Marcus and I want to uh, remind you that UNC Asheville is a financial supporter of Blue Ridge Public Radio and that the Waters and Harvest Show is produced at BPR in Asheville, North Carolina. And you can listen to our podcast on BPR.org, on the BPR mobile app, and on iTunes and Google Play. And you can also follow us and get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter. Talk to you next All time. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.